As we continue to journey through our Lenten series called I Can't Fight This Alone, we're really looking at this idea of we need community, we need fellowship, we need friends. The image I'd like to give you today is the image that just struck me, just kind of came to me during Mass today, so if it's a little bit wonky or janky, I apologize, Um, but it's the image of a heart transplant. I think very clearly a lot of us need one. We need a heart transplant. We need to place ourselves on the operating table. Let Jesus, the divine physician, create a clean heart in you. And ask him, have mercy on me, God, in your goodness. In the greatness of your compassion, wipe out my offense. Thoroughly wash me from my guilt and cleanse me of my sin. This is the repentant psalm of David. And David is one who we knew, you know, was a shepherd. He took out Goliath, but then got lazy, right? He got lazy. And when he was kind of napping on the rooftop, lust settled in. Not that that's happened to anybody here before, right? And then he goes out and he commits adultery with Bathsheba. And then to make things even worse, he goes to her husband and puts him at the front of a, of a, of a battle and tells everyone in secret to draw back so he can be killed. <laughs> Yikes, right? And out of that sorrow, out of the awareness of the prophet Nathan coming to him and telling him that he is called to repent, he writes this psalm. I want to give you a couple of stories to maybe kind of help you understand where I think the Lord is asking us for us to have heart transplants. My heart has been aching since Thursday that we have authentic Catholicism. I'm particularly just disgusted by the way I have acted in the past, and I see sometimes us acting currently towards our politicians and towards those who make mistakes. We cannot act like the world does if we want a heart transplant. And the Lord wants to give you a heart transplant, particularly in the Holy Eucharist, where his heart is burning with fire to cleanse you and wash you thoroughly of whatever gunk you are dealing with. The first story I want to tell you is when I was on summer staff with Catholic Youth Expeditions, because something happened there that was so minor, but it changed my life. Growing up as an athlete, the one thing that athletes are is sometimes we're absolute jerks to one another. I don't know why we do this. It's, it's not good. But for some reason, when somebody makes a mistake, everybody becomes like a bunch of vultures and starts making fun of that person. And for this particular summer in 2012, when I was on summer staff, we were doing something I didn't really care for too much, is we were playing ultimate frisbee. If you like ultimate frisbee, I am not here to offend you. I am just telling a simple story, Okay. We were playing ultimate frisbee, and it was just a way for the guys to get energy out while the girls were doing their thing, whatever girls do, either water, I don't know, I don't want to know. The girls were doing their thing, guys were up to play ultimate frisbee, and one thing happened, I'm an athlete, I know how to catch a frisbee, and the, the frisbee's coming right at me, I have my mitts up, and the, the, I don't know what happened to these things, these, these hands, but like the, the frisbee hit my hands and just went down to the ground. And the thing that happened that changed my life is that no one made fun of me. I think sometimes we tell ourselves lies that when people make fun of us, it doesn't hurt. 
Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, right? Yeah, right. Nice one, Satan. That is one of the dumbest sayings I've ever heard because it's not true. Words do hurt. And when the game of Frisbee just went on, I had this like moment of just like, oh, this is authentic Catholicism. This is the best. We're not making fun of each other. People make mistakes, right? And I just, I needed that. As minor as it might have seemed, I needed not to made, be made fun of. And I, I just thought of like, all the times that I, I made fun of other people, especially being a baseball player, I would say things like when I play catch and I'd throw the ball to somebody, hit their glove and it'd fall out, I would say, sorry for hitting you in the hands, right? Not a very kind thing to say. Or people would say to me in, in football, if I, you know, I had really good hands in football, but if I, I dropped the pass, people would say, come on, stone hands, can't you catch? <laughs> but then we tell ourselves those things don't hurt and yeah, they hurt. We need a heart transplant. The other story I want to tell you is a story during World War II. And it's a story of an American prisoner of war and a Japanese protester. So they're in Japan. And this Japanese protester was protesting against Japan. And because of his beliefs, he was thrown into the same cell as the American. Now, the American actually was given food. But the Japanese man was brutally beaten day after day after day and was starved. And the American would pray with him and teach him little bits of English and would feed him. But there was one day when the, when the American soldier saw the Japanese man come into the cell after being brutally beaten so badly, you could barely tell he was a person. And the American said, you know, you're, pro you're probably not going to make it. But you don't have to worry. Because if you let Jesus be Lord, if you let him into your heart, and you repent of your sins, you can live with him forever. And the Japanese man, with whatever strength he had, said these words. If Jesus is anything like you, I can't wait to meet him. If Jesus is anything like you, I can't wait to meet him. What about us? Can people say that about you and me? Can our family, can our community, can we say that about one another? If Jesus is anything like you, I can't wait to meet him. I want to like just zone in for a moment for something that what broke my heart this past week. Because I've been there, but also I know how like it's not okay. Especially if we could, we're going to call ourselves followers of Jesus. Because Jesus says, you know, those who follow me serve me, and my Father will honor you. And if we're, if we're serving Jesus, we're always under the foot of the cross with Mother Mary. This past week, our president, which, mind you, I disagree with almost everything he's doing. He says he's Catholic, but I, I don't get it. I don't know how you can be Catholic and be pro-choice and all that stuff. I just, it's, it's not Okay. Even our bishop yesterday at the Estovir conference was talking about, we are so blessed to have a Catholic president, but the problem is he doesn't follow the faith. But nonetheless, he's made in God's image and likeness. And on Thursday, he was doing something that you and I do all the time, but he was going onto a big jet, right? He was going upstairs. And God forbid that he tripped. And the internet on social media just went crazy and making fun of him. 
And I was around a group of people who were making fun of the president for tripping. Why is that okay? Have you ever tripped? And were you made fun of? And how'd that feel? Did Jesus Christ ever trip after he was brutally beaten for your sake and my sake to give you a new heart? After he had that crown of thorns put in his head and it was poisonous so his face would have ballooned up in swelling. He couldn't see and he tripped and people mocked him and when they made fun of him. And when you and I make fun of other people for making mistakes, God forbid, what we become is we become like vultures, right? We become like vultures and Catholics can't be vultures. We can't do that anymore. Our world needs authentic Catholicism. Our world is thirsting for authentic Catholicism. And we need new hearts to do that because some of us have had, we, we tell ourselves lies that I have an ugly heart or I have a crusty heart. I was literally ministering to somebody this week and they were telling me, I have an ugly and crusty heart. And I told them, I was like, please don't say that. You have a beautiful heart because God made it. And because of what the world has done to us, and sometimes we told ourselves, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But they do. And then we believe that our hearts are ugly and crusty and dirty and not worthy of a heart transplant, right? And we have to know that our hearts are beautiful. And we have to come to the point, my friends, to the point where we stand up and we actually have a backbone saying, enough is enough. We cannot allow anybody to make fun of anybody because of what Jesus Christ has done for us at the cross. If you and I live at the foot of the cross and we see Jesus as the Greeks were coming to say to Andrew and Philip, right? We want to see Jesus. How in the world... Can we make fun of other people for tripping and falling? And I'm pointing fingers at myself, too. We can't blend in. It's just not okay. And for some reason, we said, oh, look at, look at President Trump's hair. It's flowing over. Not that anybody's ever, here ever had a bad hair day, right? Or we see a person trip. Not that anybody here has ever tripped. But what if, what if we, instead of offering people words of harm and of making fun of them, what if we offered them a hand to pick them up? Just as Simon of Cyrene did when he helped pick Jesus up, when Jesus couldn't see because of he was taking on that pain, that brutal pain for your sins and my sins so we can live differently. So people can know and see Jesus through you and I. Because I can't think of a better compliment to give someone, right? I mean, like, can you think of a better compliment? If Jesus is anything like you, I can't wait to meet him. And if you and I do those little things with great love, like feeding others, praying with them, ministering to them, telling them about the person of Jesus, when they die, they will be in heaven and praying for you. And we have to come to know that that's going to mean we have to die to self. Jesus says in our gospel, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And some people think, sweet, carriage, let's, let's put like a, 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 a crown on his head and rings and robes. But no, we know what that means. That means he's got to go to Jerusalem and so do you and I. And we have to deal with what our sins cost him and what, is, what he took on for us. If you're looking for something to do this next two weeks, I'd encourage you to watch 
The Passion by Mel Gibson. And deal with your sin. (laughs) And see if you become that person who's very quickly apt to say, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Because every time you and I make fun of someone, that's who we are. But when you and I don't do that, we are more like Mother Mary, who at the foot of the cross didn't cast any stones. She didn't get out of her whip. I always say, I always thought she'd just get a purse out and whack the people for hurting her son. But she knew it had to happen so you and I could receive a new heart. So you and I could live differently. And as that grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies that Jesus talks about, what he's talking about, something so small, must be ripped and broken open so it can bring forth much fruit. Jesus was ripped and broken open so you and I could know the fruit of his love, right? Maybe you've seen like a redwood tree, you know, it's like something so small, it can be something so big. But it has to die, it has to be broken open. And that's what heart surgeons do, is they break you open and they give you a new heart. And if you and I die, we place ourselves on the operating table, which is either the cross or the altar, and let Jesus be Lord, let him be the divine physician, you and I will hate our lives. Jesus says, whoever loves his life loses it, but whoever hates it in this world, life in this world will preserve it for eternal life. There should always be a disgust, a sadness in our hearts at all times until we're in heaven. That doesn't mean it's going to be doom and gloom, but what that means is we should always have a desire to be different. We should always have a desire to be better rather than being bitter. Because Jesus says, whoever serves me, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, he says, you must follow me. And he says, where I am, which is, he says, there also will my servant be. And this is the key. The Father will honor whoever serves Jesus. By offering someone a hand instead of a slap in the face by making fun of them. But Jesus says, I am troubled now. Yet what should I say? Father, save me from this hour, right? Should I, should I try to be safe like the rest of the world is like, well, let's just be safe. Let's go in our safe spaces. Let's be safe. No, the Lord is saying, I have come for this hour so you and I may know of this intense love. So the Father's name can be glorified. And when this happened, when Jesus made this prayer, some scripture references say he fell to his knees when he made this prayer. It says a voice came from heaven, which is the voice of the Father, and it came like thunder. And that's what Jesus wants to do. He wants thunder to come into your soul and wake you up and shake you up to know that there is a better way. He wants divine intimacy with you. He wants to give you a new heart. And Jesus said, this voice, this voice that said, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. Jesus said, this voice did not come for my sake. It's not for me, but for yours, so that you may live differently. He says, now is the time of judgment for this world where I'm thinking, giddy up, let's go, about time, right? Because he says, now the ruler of this world who is Satan, which is the powers of sin, hell, and death, are going to be driven out. And he says, when I am lifted up, and that means you and I have to hold our own crosses up with Jesus' cross, he says, I will draw everyone to myself, and I won't make fun of them. 
I will draw everyone to myself, and they will come to know that I am who I say I am. But he did this to indicate what kind of death he would die, so that you and I would live differently. As David lived differently through his immense sin, he pretty much took like a towel and just wrenched it out every bit of sin and said, create a clean heart in me, Lord. Have mercy on me. Give me your Holy Spirit. And the beautiful thing is, my friends, you're going to get a new heart today in the Holy Eucharist, which burns with love for you so that you can leave here living differently. So as Jesus touches your tongue, you don't speak words of hatred anymore. You don't speak words that make fun of others anymore. You don't make fun of people when they trip and they fall no matter who they are. You offer compassion instead of judgment. I don't know if your heart is aching for authentic Catholicism, but if your heart is aching for authentic Catholicism, let us make changes and repent from our sins and live differently because no matter who the president is or no matter who is on the sports field or at our workplace, you and I represent Jesus Christ and that means we have to live differently. If we blend in, then we are no longer Catholic. We are no longer followers of Jesus. We must be different. And that doesn't mean be weird. It means that you live with the true identity of being at the foot of the cross with Mother Mary, totally aware of all times, at all times, that he was at the foot of the, he was at the cross, crucified for you personally. So you know that if you were the only person on earth, he would have died for you. He would have given you, given you a new heart if you were the only person who needed it. That's how much he loves you. And because he loves us, we live differently. And our world is asking that question that the Greeks asked at the beginning of our gospel. They say, sir, we would like to see Jesus. Ma'am, we would like to see Jesus. And will you let yourself reflect the love of Jesus or not? I want to encourage you to know that you're going to make mistakes. That's what confession is for. That's what repenting is for. That's what the scriptures are for. That's what Mother Mary is for, to encourage you not to quit. As we hear in Proverbs, iron sharpens iron, and that means you and I can't do it alone. Because our world doesn't need any more fuddy-duddy Christians, right? Ones that just kind of go with the ways of the world. Our world needs Christians who are, all, are just madly in love with Jesus and are sick and tired of people pointing fingers and making fun of people when they make a mistake, when they trip up the stairs, or when they drop a ball or drop a frisbee. What our world is dying for is someone who will be in prison with them. And when they are being brutally beaten by what the world's doing to them, they still feed them. They still love them. They still pray with them. They still present the person of Jesus to them so that people may hear the best compliment you could ever imagine. If Jesus is anything like you, I can't wait to meet him. And you and I don't have to wait to meet him. He's going to be on this altar in just a moment, and he's saying, I want to give you a new heart. Will you give me yours, or do you believe in lies that your heart is ugly and crusty? Let us take a moment of silence and place our hearts on the altar and let him replace it 
with his Eucharistic heart, which burns away all that is normal in this world and makes us authentically Catholic, not just today, but forever. May the Mother of God pray for us to honor what her Son has done for us, and may we live eternally at the foot of the cross and no longer put one another down and only lift one another up because we know who is lifted high and his name is Jesus Christ and he is madly in love with you. Amen.